We're telling Julia she's not our mother and we're searching the in-between for the secrets of Dumbledore. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect and this is Offscreen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Welcome to Offscreen. We are keeping you cinematic on the big screen, the small screen and everything in between. It is a big week for movies because there is a big wizardy woo movie that is out this week. And we'll be covering that in uh, just a few minutes after our first block of movies. But we're kicking off with what I like to call ghost in the modern age, shall we say, and probably not as good. Um, but The In-Between is out on Netflix from today. Um, it's rated 12. It is the story of um, a slightly shy uh, high schooler who is, um, she's she's adopted, she's a photographer, and she has a summer romance with a jock that's kind of into French movies and things like that. And then all of a sudden they get, well, they get in an accident, a car accident, which essentially sees him killed and her kind of recovering, but yet still seeing him whilst he's stuck somewhere in between. I don't understand. What is happening? When the separation is dramatic, there's unfinished business. He's in the in-between. He's reaching out to you. Reach back. Your ghost hunting assistant has arrived. A Ouija board. Sorry, that was me. If you do manage to cross, there may be no way back. I'm gonna find him. It it really is the exact movie you sort of pitched it as there. It's sort of a Nicholas Sparks take on <laughs> white noise. To it. Have you ever seen White Noise, the Michael Keaton thriller in which he's searching for his murdered wife in the afterlife? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of like that, but done by way of Nicholas Sparks and aimed at sort of like 17-year-old girls. Basically, the exact demographic that the lead actress in this, Joey King, primarily targets through. Is it the Kissing Booth? Is she the star of the Kissing Booth franchise? Oh, is that who uh-huh. she is? It, because I know her as a child actress. I know her as sort of that crop of child from sort of the Chloe Moretz era. And she, she came up through things like that. She's in Emmerich movies and she was in The Flash, things like that. And and then she's gone on to uh, uh, Netflix's, the, I think it's Netflix's The Kissing Booth franchise. And then this, this seems like the next logical leap for her. And to be fair to Joey King, you might actually remember her most for, uh, I think it was White House Down, where she's Channing Tatum's daughter. Ah, I see. Okay, that yeah, was, gotcha. That was one of her Emmerich movies. I think she turns up in the Independence Day sequel as well. But um, this is very much, I think, the next logical career path for her because she's done the rom-com thing on Netflix, so let's go do the Nicholas Sparks bit. This is originally Paramount Plus in the US. It's going to be Netflix, obviously, in the UK because they have a love for her, obviously. Um, she's got decent enough chemistry with with Kyle Allen, I think. It's, it's mm. playing to that very base denominator of we'll have a quirk that we'll share. In this case, it's going to be weird movies, which in actuality are like hipster movies for anyone over like 20. But, uh, you know, like that kind of thing. We'll, we'll, get, we'll go down the thematic route of their orphans. They connect on that. We'll appeal to the Faulkner Stars crowd. We'll appeal to the Notebook crowd. And it is ticking off the boxes. Mm. It's nothing revelatory, but it is quite charming. I mean, I, I didn't yeah, dislike I mean- it. No, and it caught it kept my attention all the way through. I think the trailer that we've just played or the clip that we've just played mm. makes it more dramatic than it actually is. 
Um, because the trailer's uh, been edited, the trailer's been edited clearly again to appeal to that Nicholas Sparks crowd. That's why you've got that yeah. Miley Cyrus sounding ballad over the top of it and those specific, I have to find him, run down the road scene, you know, in, in that trailer. It is playing to that crowd. And to be fair, I think that crowd that do go in for those movies are going to love this. I think it's playing oh, yeah. to them completely. This might be a bit younger than they used to. This is more of the teen crowd one of them it's quite innocent yeah 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 it's very innocent and uh, to be honest it made me laugh because the actual ghost scenes this is not a spoiler alert what do you expect Mm. like he's dead she's searching for him in the in between (laughs) um are very much like it's like ghost hasn't moved on it's almost the same the same effects that they used on Patrick Swayze. They're kind of using that here on Carl Well, you know, they are they are supposed to be really into old movies, so maybe it's some sort of meta-commentary. It's, it's an homage. Yeah. It's a meta-commentary, as, as, as the kids would, have, would insist it be now. Um, I will say as well, I enjoyed Kim Dickens and John Ortiz as mm. uh, Joey King's parents, because they're both actors I enjoy seeing in everything, and they, they just get the sort... They get, I think, the big heart of the movie, and they get some yeah. really great scenes with Joey King. Um, so this is on Netflix from today, uh, The In-Between. Worth checking out. I think if you, if you want something that I would say sort of sub-notebook, if you want a sub-notebook, then go for something like this. Yeah, it's perfect for Netflix. I think that's exactly yeah. the right home for it. So, you know, if you're a teen that's listening in and you're kind of missing your Nicholas Spark stuff, then this is definitely the movie <laughs> that you want to catch. Definitely. Okay, so one that's catering to a very, very different demographic now. Let's go Irish Council Estate Horror. There's a subgenre we talk about often. Um, first movie from, uh, well, not first movie from, but second movie from writer-director of Cat Calls, Kate Dolan. It's called You Are Not My Mother, and it's uh, about, I think, about a teenage girl named Shah who lives on a council estate with her mum and grandmother. Her mum disappears one night and, and shortly afterwards returns, but she's not quite the same and weird spooky dealings are going on she starts to become she starts getting told like don't look too much don't look too much into this like you know badness will come like the more you dig into these things of course she can't leave it alone and things just quickly spiral out of control to be honest with you back so this is out uh, in cinemas and on vod on, on digital from today mm. um it's it, I was. I had hopes for this because I, I'd seen the trailer in advance, and I, it, it promised a level of creepiness and a level of intensity. And what I found with it, so you got it's Carolyn Bracken who plays Angela, the mum who goes missing, and she's giving good crazy, like great performance. Mm. I can't fault mm. the performance in this. Um, I think it's Hazel Dupe who plays Shah, plays the lead, um, is great opposite. Uh, 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 opposite, oh, what's her name? Uh, uh, Carolyn, Carolyn Bracken, sorry, uh, giving the good crazy. They are great. I can't fault that. The, the film is well made. For some reason, it just didn't draw me in. And it wants okay. to skew to that sort. It wants to skew to that sort of elevated horror crowd. But I think it falls too easily on the. We're just going to put all the effort into the production value and assume that everyone will assume that because it plays as quite abstract that it is elevated horror. I mean, I hate that term anyway, that elevated horror. This, I'm, we're talking about intentionally cerebral horror is what we're thinking about. We're talking about specifically intentionally abstract horror rather than haphazardly abstract horror, which is where I think this falls. So I don't think you would enjoy this, for instance. I think you would find this frustrating. You'd be like, what's the point in this? Right. Same as same as yeah. I and most popcorn-going audiences would. We all would. 
but that part of me that wants an Ari Aster movie is not getting it from, you know, the so-called hipster elevated horror thing. You're not going to get that from this. What you're going to get is a film that just yeah. feels like it's been left abstract rather than to fully complete that story. You know what? I, I was thinking, you know, you talk about Irish council estate horror kind of thing. Yeah. What was that movie we reviewed a few weeks ago with Andrea Riseborough that was... The reincarnation. Yes. Oh man, how am I not remembering that? This was weeks. I know. It's been yeah, weeks. Yeah, this is weeks ago. Ugh. But whatever that was called. But that was, you know, there is some sort of genre that fits, you know, something that fits into this kind of genre of, you know, that it's hitting that kind of field. It's Irish. It's not exactly council estate that they're on, but it's not. Mm. It's certainly working class, um, yeah. you know, and a slight supernatural. That was a reincarnation kind of story, but it, that was very. If it didn't have Andrea Riseborough in it, it wouldn't have really been mm. anything. Um, very and, much so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, for anyone uh, who is an EastEnders fan, you might be um, forgiven for thinking that the title of this is something that Cat Slater would have shouted to, to Zoe Slater. <laughs> <laughs> but it is not that movie. <laughs> um, but no. no yeah, so, alas, no. you are not my mother. That is out in cinemas and on digital from today. I would say there's, there's some great words. It looks great. It looks great. The performances mm. are great. It just, I don't find, it's just not captivating enough for me, though. But if you like your grounded, gritty horror, check this one out. Welcome back to Off Screen. Now we are building you up for the big movie of the week. But first, we are going to take you on a trip down, I suppose, memory lane for anyone who is across the pond and was a big fan of cooking and was a big fan of a big personality in cooking. And that lady was called Julia Childs. And this documentary, Julia, follows and charts her life um, and how she kind of came to prominence in the world of cooking in the, is it? 70s I think she kind of 70s early 80s she kind of really came to prominence uh, no I believe it was the 60s it was the 50s and oh, 60s it? like she is one of the very early trailblazers of uh, of television she sort of rose up alongside uh, 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 Fred Rogers by the way I love that you say we're building you up to the big movie of the week because for me this week this was the big movie <laughs> oh, okay, was, oh man I can't wait to see the Julia Child documentary was not disappointed. <laughs> we'll get to it. We're not disappointed. But yes, it's 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 the it's, it, it's not even the rise and fall story because there was never a fall. She's just one of the most beloved icons in the same way as Fred Rogers, in the same way that Fred Rogers defined childhood for so many people. Julia Childs would define cookery for an entire yeah. nation. As you'll hear. Lip gun. That's all you need. I'm all ready to make fish. She was always. Waving things or banging things. I'm Julia Child. But she really knew what she was doing. Terrific technique. Here's the dome of caramel. She would make the most ridiculously complicated recipes and then pretend like it was simple as can be. She comes off. Whether you cooked or didn't cook, people would just watch her for fun. You know what I thought was really intriguing was actually the beginning of this movie where, or this documentary, where you kind of really find out that like Julia Childs came from a very wealthy family, but was very humble mm. about it, never really spoke about it. You know, she turned down multiple marriage proposals. She was incredibly tall as yeah, well. And let's, let's not bury the lead on this one. 
Julia Childs was an outright war hero. Julia what? Childs was like the lead in a spy thriller. Like there should be entire prequel movies. Like just give me, find me a young Kathleen Turner to play yeah. Julia Childs yeah. in a series of wartime spy thrillers and you have my money, my dear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was getting to that bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's a fascinating journey before the cooking even comes in. But what I really like about this was the kind of intercutting of original material, which again, like, although you say 50s and 60s, like, you know, some of the footage of it was kind of like, 70s as well. It's all when the she way was... up to, yeah, all the way up to, yeah. I think, because she passed in, did when... she not pass until 2011, I think, or something like that, about Maybe, yeah. She had a nice old long life, but she, mm. um, yeah, she she really kind of, the Julia Childs that you'd know is that older Julia Childs that you will have seen in the 70s, the 80s, and, you know, who's throwing a chicken around and massaging it and resting it. And what they did was they intercut it with, obviously, um, cooking footage from from modern day to kind of just you know make the, the shots that they couldn't get. It's but been it staged though, hasn't it? It's been staged to look yeah. period specific. So they have aged yeah. the tried to age, digitally age the footage to tie into. So there's sort of a, a recreation element. You've also got because it's a CNN film. So it's into, it's got access to quite a decent roster of guests, like most CNN documentaries do. That badge yeah. carries so much weight. But you wind up with like Ina Garten and Rachel Ray and people like that on there, like talking about the legacy of Julia Child and and how the, there is an entire generation, like an entire senior generation of chefs now, like Ina Garten's age, for instance. Ina Garten, incidentally, also uh, had a, a storied political career. Ina Garten was, I think, a nuclear advisor to, I think, wow. Gerald Ford, I think. Like, little thing no one ever knows about her. Her recipes must be absolutely, positively nuclear. Anyway, um, you get loads of intercut footage like that, but you get loads of really great behind-the-scenes footage as well. Like, there's a lot of the personal archive that's been, that's been forked over for this. I mean, it's a little bit safe because it's so mm. so heavily authorized, presumably by by Charles's family, but uh, at the same time, she's one of those stories like Fred Rogers, where really she kind of is what she seems. Like she really yeah. was. Very as, genuine. As, and and on the few occasions where she seemed like she was on the wrong side of history, when it was pointed out to her, she was like, okay, fair enough, and then just changed pivoted course. There's a moment, for instance, when it, they talk about her attitude towards the LGBT community at the, you know, at the height of the AIDS pandemic and how she was quite derogatory until she lost a friend to AIDS and then became an activist mm. overnight. And they're like, and that was it. She just didn't really seem to realize how ignorant she was. And then one day she was like, oh, this can affect me. I will change, and she did. And you're like, oh, okay, that's a level of yeah. bluntness I'm not exactly expect uh, accustomed to in these things, but cool, nice. Yeah, and I really loved like the way they got this archival footage of her. Like, there's things like when she first started recording her cookery shows, there were notes on the camera saying, yes. "Look here," and things <laughs> like that. It's just amazing to see behind well, the scenes. I was fascinated by that because there's a whole section where they tell you about how they they made these cookery shows in a day and age before any of the editing tech and filming techniques that yeah. we had now. And oh my god, like that was as you and I, having worked in bare bones, like you know, strapping these together with elastic bands and duct tape production, we can appreciate that absolutely. Yeah. But but Julia is out today. I think it's on digital platforms and in cinemas. I, I think it is worse if you've ever been vaguely curious, or if you, as you pointed out, if you've saw, seen uh, Julie and Julia from 2009, yeah. 2010 with uh, Meryl Street, Meryl Julia Street. Child, worth checking out. But we've got to move on because we've got to talk to, as you say, talk about the biggie 
as you say, for mm. this week, um, which is uh, Fantastic Threasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Why is it not Fantastic Bathreasts? That's what I want to know. But okay, so um, it, it, it's several, it's a year or two on, I think, from the previous one of these, which was set in, I think, 1927. So this, this is on the cusp of the Great Depression. Um, Grindelwald is out there in, in the wild. He's now uh, 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 Mads Mikkelsen for mm. reasons that aren't really explained other than just that he occasionally changes his face. Um, his war against the Muggles that has been brewing, he's, he's basically Wizard Hitler in the Harry Potter universe in this prequel series, and he wants to wage war on the Muggles, because that's all bad, bad wizards seem to want to do. And mm. he's held back from doing it. He's rising himself up as a sort of alt-right figure and, and raising this, this moral superiority argument. He plays a lot like Magneto from the X-Men movies. Dumbledore, the most powerful of the good wizards, cannot intervene because Grindelwald as we established quite prominently in the opening scene of this, is his ex-boyfriend, and they have a blood pact in, that's contained in a necklace that contains their literal blood that prevents them from hurting one another or indeed even thinking about it. So they're in a sort of stalemate with each other. The most powerful good guy can't defeat the bad guy. The bad guy can do whatever he wants, effectively. And only Newt Scamander, Eddie Redmayne's now supporting character, who was the lead when they started this franchise, can take on the task. He and his brother the Theseus of, of of basically disrupting Grindelwald's attempt to rise to prominence, somehow involving the presidency of the wizard world. I, I kid you not. Have a listen. You know, this is, of course, you had it in Paris. I can't say I have much experience with such things, but it looks to me to be a blood trot. That would be correct. And whose blood is contained within? Mine. And Grindelwald's. I'm assuming that's why you can't move against him. Yes. Nor he against me. Can I ask what would possess you to make such a thing? Love, arrogance, naivety, pick your poison. It's really quite beautiful, you have to admit. So we've got a gay Dumbledore and a gay yeah. Grindelwald. Yeah, yeah, okay. And... It's there, okay, right. Because it's such a complex sort of mm. narrative throughout this. Like, it, there's a lot going on. And then you add in the effects. And then you have to kind of remember the backstory. For me, I, I struggled with this series. Um, because I yeah. think it's beautiful to look at. But I, I haven't seen the last films. Oh, okay. I actually don't. I think that this, the entire Fantastic Beasts series has just, it's gone muddy. Like, I think you can barely mm. see it half the time. I mean, I say this, I mean, even by the... There's a low, low, low bar set by that previous movie, generally. I think we can all agree. Mm. Most of that was exposition and world-building, and it didn't work. This is a step up from that, but kind of a swing in the opposite direction. This feels like they're really struggling just to come up with a plot, just to give the characters something to do, because it's very tenuous what they're actually doing at any given point. And you realise that you've spent like 25 minutes in the same cave doing a crab dance. And you're like, hang on a minute, what what actually is the plot at this stage? We're, we're doing what? Right. And, and then it all builds to a third act in which you've got another plot. And, and the plot keeps... It, it, this thing goes through more storylines than Thor The Dark World. Which I think worked yeah, on a okay. was it? I think that was a twenty-five minute rotation in Thor: The Dark World. If you clock it, it's something like twenty to twenty-five minute rotation of what the plot is. This works very similarly, but at a much quicker pace. Um, it, it gets to where it needs to. It's a, it's a lot less muddled and convoluted and 
unengaging than the, the previous one was. This one has a bit more fun to it. The plot is easier to get to grips with because, again, it struggles so hard to come up with something that it keeps grasping for them, so they're very simplistic storylines. Uh, Dumbledore steals it, as always, Jude Law for the win. You know, it's nice to see Eddie Redmayne occasionally get remembered in this series. Like, occasionally they remember that it was his franchise, that this was the franchise they were building around this Oscar winner at the time, mm. and they remember and they give him things to do, so he and Callum Turner, as his brother, actually get stuff to do, and it's it's not bad, it's quite fun. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen fits this better than Johnny Depp did. You could not have done this movie with this story um, and depict Grindelwald and Dumbledore the way they are with Johnny Depp. It wouldn't work. Um, right. Weirdly, it works better with Mads Mikkelsen. Um, there's an entire subset of 30 to 35-year-old literature student graduates um, who are going to just go to town on the idea of like Jude Law in a three-piece tweed suit and, and and Mads Mikkelsen in full Hannibal mode as lovers. I'm just going to put that one out there. This is this is playing to so many very specific demographic kinks on that mm. one. Um, the magic is starting to run out on this, I, I will say, but it's a three-star movie. It, it's basically being held together by moments. And now it's time for a segment we like to call Off Screen Pays the Bills. Hey, Bex. Hey, Van. What's going on? Ain't nothing going on but the rent. You know how it is. Are you ready to launch your new career in coding? Treehouse has one of the best and most affordable online classrooms for you. At Treehouse, we've rethought the learning process and built a proven system to get you the skills and knowledge you need to achieve your goals. When you're done with a course, you haven't just watched a video, you learned, practiced and absorbed a concept. Or choose to build a portfolio, create a network and land your dream job with our bootcamp style tech degree program. Land a dev job this year. Whatever your goal, we'll get you there. Start your seven-day free trial today by visiting teamtreehouse.com or by visiting the link in the show description. Welcome back to Off Screen. So we have taken you on your big ride on the big screen, but now we are taking you down to the small screen with your seven-day guide to all the top movies on your telly box. And we're kicking off with a big movie that a lot of people loved, and it's a third in the franchise. It is Iron Man 3, 10.35 p.m., BBC One. I mean, I've got to hand it straight over to the biggest Iron Man fan I know <laughs> out here, Van Connor. I mean, <laughs> you love Iron Man to death. You even had a you even had a face mask, which was an Iron Man face mask. I, I have, yeah, I have a COVID. I have a bunch of COVID face masks that are Iron Man masks. But uh, no, um, Iron Man three. It, it, I was I was an easy mark for for a third Iron Man movie anyway. But also, it's it was like my Christmas, and that pun is absolutely intended because the movie <laughs> is set at Christmas. Uh, because it's one of my very favourite writer directors. It's one of my very favourite writer directors star combos and it's and, it, and, and Christmas is just a part of that package so it's writer-director Shane Black re-teaming with Robert Downey Jr whose movie Kiss Kiss Bang Bang together had helped reignite Robert Downey Jr and get him the Iron Man job in the first place they re-team nice. for a new movie set at Christmas in which basically a PTSD stricken Tony Stark following the events of the first Avengers movie basically puts himself in the crosshairs of a terrorist known as the Mandarin played by Ben Kingsley and basically lose in the process loses his home loses access to all of his tricks and toys and can only rely on his wits and his skills to save the day um, it, I think it's a hell of a ride this one I think mm. it's, 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 it's the movie that Iron Man 2 needed to be I think I think if Iron Man 2 had been Iron Man 3, 
we would have seen something genuinely game-changing by the time we would have seen something Dark Knight level by the time we got to the third one because the level of the, the jump in storytelling caliber between Iron Man 1 and Iron Man 3 and I, I mean, Iron Man 2 and Iron Man 3 in particular is astonishing. It goes from being quite a Robert Altman-y film in the first one to something very trashy Hollywood in the second one to a Shane Black movie in the third one. The Shane Black one, though, wins for me every time. Great fun. Robert mm. Downey Jr. is a hoot in it. And Ben Kingsley, ooh, if you don't know that, if you don't know about Ben Kingsley in this movie, don't look it up. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy it and then go and watch Shang-Chi. All I'm going to say. 10.35 BBC2 tonight. Uh, one I know you've seen because we covered this at the Oscars together. Saturday night then, Bex. Channel 4, 9.15. We've got a clip for this one as well. It's Yorgos Lantimos, everyone's favourite Greek name. because it's, it's uh, Here, here in, in British film criticism, it's the one gr uh, Greek name that we all seem to remember the pronunciation yeah. of. He's, he's Greek, isn't he, Yorgos Lantimos? I think so, yeah. I think he is. We always remember how to pronounce it. Yorgos Lantimos. Uh, directed The Favourite on Channel 4 Backs. How much did you love this one? I actually didn't. <laughs> you not? I, I love this. Oh, no, no. I am in the minority on this one. I, kind, I remember watching it when it came out on hmm. New Year's Day, I think, on... Um, it was on New between... Year's Day, like 2019, maybe, 2018. Yeah, Ooh. and I went to the cinema to watch it, and I think it's, again, a victim of overhype, and it was like, you know, you've got Rachel Weisz, you've got Emma Stone, you've got Olivia Coleman in this trio of... Um, what is it? It's the story of Queen Anne and um, sort of her... This sort of shuffle... Not shuffle for power, but... It is in a way, isn't it, between the three ladies that are that are uh, effectively this. yes. It's it's a sort of Machiavellian love triangle of mm. access to the throne, played between you know Rachel Vice as the sort of long time confidant and BFF versus Eva Stone as the as the incoming He's young a new upstart. upstart. Yeah, I've I've got a clip for you. I think I believe this is one of Olivia Colman's many uh, acclaimed uh, meltdowns. Well. What do you think you look like? Badger. Do you really think you can meet the Russian delegation looking like that? No. I will manage it. Go back to your rooms. Thank you. Did you just look at me? Did you? Look at me! Look at me! How dare you! Close your eyes! Yeah, and look, look uh, well-deserved Oscar for, for Olivia Colman there and beautifully dedicated to the other two actresses as well when she accepted it because it was really an ensemble piece. I didn't really yeah, think yeah. that one stood out beyond the others. I just, for me, just, you know, it, it didn't quite... I think it was so overhyped and everyone was like, got to go and see the favourite, it's amazing. And then I was you, like... You had to be on its wavelength. Yeah, I think you do yeah. have to be on its wavelength. Absolutely, it's kind of like yeah. it's kind of like an Armando Iannucci kind of movie in that yeah, way. You have, exactly. you have to be on, you have to be tuned to that frequency at that moment. I think exactly. Uh, so but I tell you what, what wavelength I am on. Go on. <laughs> ITV2, 8 p.m. on Sunday. Hobson Shaw. Now I blew and loved this. <laughs> this is the I, I did as well. What, what's not to love? So Fast and Furious presents. I mean, this is the only one I think they're going to be doing of this series. I think the idea it's died on the vine. Uh, but this is Jason Statham and The Rock teaming up for their own Fast and Furious spin-off. Um, the Fast and Furious was originally sort of a thinly guised remake of Point Break. This is a thinly guised remake of Tango and Cash, yeah. in which the uh, in which the the spy and the bounty hunt 
Hunter, effectively, uh, team up to take on, as he describes himself, Black Superman, Idris Elba as the cybernetically enhanced Agent Brixton. Uh, Brixton? I think he's Brixton, isn't he? Um, great fun. It's on, I say, ITV2, uh, Sunday night, 8 p.m. A, a great ride. Um, and also, just a kick-ass soundtrack, that one. Uh, Monday night, though, sticking with the state, for Monday night, we've got the state's kind of first big breakout one. He had been in, uh, famously, of course, had been in uh, Guy Ritchie movies before this, but this is his first sort of solo effort that really caught on. Um, it is the Luc Besson produced The Transporter from 2002, uh, which is on Channel 5, 11.05 on uh, Monday night. It is a tight, breezy film in which he plays Frank Martin, the no-nonsense, ask-no-questions courier. This is just one, it, it's a great it's a well choreographed fight um fight scene driven combat combat fest but it's also a great car chase flick at the same time have a listen rule one never change the deal deal was transportation for three men with a combined weight of 254 kilos yeah well this is a new deal an extra 80 kilos means we'll not make your destination on the gas i have allotted so we'll stop and get more gas every stop we make exposes us every exposure increases the risk of getting caught X-ray kilos means the Coney shock absorbers I installed for this job will not give us the ability to outmaneuver any police that might be chasing us. Which means, if there is a chase, we lose our advantage. Which also increases the possibility of getting caught. I don't want to get caught. You don't want to get caught. Just drive the car, man, or you're going to catch a bullet to the brains! And who's going to drive? Shut this I drive! Not without the ignition code, you won't. See, I'm a big fan of this. I say this was really like Stace showing what he had in the in the mm. in the action in the action department. And uh, well, as his career to date will demonstrate, he, he did not fall short. Uh, so uh, on to Tuesday then. I don't know if you remember seeing this back in the day. Uh, Halle Berry Horror Channel, 9 p.m. Tuesday night. Halle Berry and Robert Downey Jr. again. Gothic and Penelope Cruz. Yeah, is Penelope Cruz in this as well? Yes, she is indeed. Yeah, so it's oh. a story. It's 2003 this came out. It's a story hmm. of a, a psychiatrist who wakes up and finds herself in it. the asylum that she works in. And um, yeah, really well received at the time. I think this is kind of Halle Berry and her um, swordfish kind of, you know, that kind of heyday that hmm. she was in um, around the 2003-2004 era good kind of horror thriller on their great cast as we said with penelope cruz and also um robert downey jr as well and yeah worth a revisit i think so that's 9 p.m on the horror channel on tuesday uh moving on to wednesday now this one i don't think i have seen but you've popped this in here 9 p.m again on the horror channel on wednesday is devil I think you might have seen this actually, Bex. It does. Oh. It, it, it's been a mainstay of streaming platforms actually uh, since like the advent of them this past decade. But it's um, a M Night Shyamalan sort of written and produced. Uh, Sort of tight and tidy, supernaturally tinged thriller in which a group of, of apparent strangers are stuck together in a lift and strange goings on occur, the lights go out and then when they come back up they have cuts on them and things like that and strange satanic imagery starts to appear here and there. Could one of them be the devil or is it just a clever title? Find out in part one of the now abandoned The Night Chronicles which was meant to be a trilogy of almost black 
mirror style supernatural uh, uh, tangentially connected supernatural stories but devil really good one at 9 p.m mm. horror channel on wednesday and one of my all-time favorite movies rounds out the week oh on yes thursday 9 p.m on five star the movie that birthed so many things i love it is james cameron's 1984 classic it is the terminator it is michael bean traveling back in time from a post-apocalyptic future to bodyguard a waitress played by linda hamilton so that she can give birth to the future savior for her unborn child who she's not even conceived at that point can give can can lead humanity against the inevitable onslaughts and rise of cybernetic killing machines one of whom has also been sent back in time to kill her before she can give birth to their enemy as all explained here by bean just let me go listen and understand that terminator is out there it can't be bargained with it can't be reasoned with it doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear and it absolutely will not stop ever until you are dead can you stop it i don't know with these weapons i don't know I always found that Terminator, Terminator 2 was, mm. because of the commercial success that it had, it was easier to watch by a wider audience. This one was so much more brutal yeah. and, you know, violent and, you know, not going to be for everyone, but I love it so much. Mm. Well, the first one's a horror movie, isn't it? And a, a horror movie, and the second one leans more into the more into its own science fiction, I think, by virtue yeah, of, yeah, of yeah. the different kind of enemy. But a classic nonetheless, Bex. Indeed, yeah, and that rounds off our... Uh, movies on TV for this week when we're back we're going to bring you everything that is in between so your DVD Blu-ray and streaming Welcome back for one last ride off screen and our first stop in everything on in the everything in between section this week takes us to streaming on Prime Video from today. And this is one of those titles that I kept hearing, but you never heard about the actual movie itself. It's a movie called All the Old Knives comes to uh, Prime Video today. Stars uh, Chris Pine, Tandy Newton, Jonathan Price is in there, I believe. And it's, it's oh, and uh, Lawrence Fishburne as well. It's uh, very much a John Le Carre looking kind of spy thriller. It's based on a a best-selling novel by is it uh, Oleg Steinhauer, I think, and uh, this I'd say it looks very much like it's being aimed at the Tinker Tailor sort of crowd. It's mm. got immaculate, immaculate hairstyle for uh, Chris Pine. It has to be said, that's a classically good-looking man, right? And there. a fantastic cast. I mean, I'm intrigued by this. Well, you can see that on Prime from today. Sticking with streaming, we'll head over to Disney Plus for a few from today because, you know, Disney Plus love to drop a good solid batch every year. Oh, uh, yes. Standard. This week, oh, okay, let's, we're starting with a weepy from Disney Plus this week. It's Tony Collette. It's Drew Barrymore. It's Jackie Bissett. It's uh, <laughs> already, which I believe is based on the novel by, is it Jojo Moyes? Is it Jojo Moyes novel? This one. Oh, okay. I don't know. It sounds like it would be. That or Nicholas like Sparks. <laughs> or Nicholas Sparks. But I know it's directed by Catherine Hardwick, who gave us the Twilight movies. And it is an old-fashioned weeping in which you have two lifelong besties, one of whom is going through a cancer battle, played by Tony Clark, whilst the other goes through IVF struggles. And she's played by Drew Barrymore. And it's about the friendship and uh, between them and how the relationship is tested by these these drastic circumstances. It's uh, it's it, it, it's a bit of a tearjerker. And like I said, I had mm. forgotten, I had honestly forgotten that Jacqueline Bessette was in 
in this as Tony Collette's mm-hmm. mum until we were sorting the clip, as you can hear here, in which she's discussing Collette with Drew Barrymore. She wouldn't talk to me. Everything I do is wrong. Well, that's just the way she is. Perhaps she's punishing me, not being the kind of mother she needed. Feel free to contradict me. <laughs> I wasn't really there, was I? Lying around the world, never at home. Two husbands, different boyfriends. Selfish. You had an exciting career. Yes. I can't have any drama in my life right now. And Millie is drama. Please, Jess. Help her to sort everything out. I know she's drama. But she's all Millie. Well, that's that seems like I'm just going to have the tissues out and be a real weepy. Um, <laughs> you like beaches? Is... You're in you're for a who? It's like imagine yeah. like beaches, but set in central London. That's what I feel. This might this yeah. might end up like, yeah, for sure. But there we go. Miss you already. Available on Disney Plus. Um, we're going to move on to other Disney Plus movies right now. So the next one is um, also available today. It's called Headhunters. Um, is this the 2011? foreign movie Headhunters. It is the 2011 foreign movie that's based on the Joe Nesbo novel and is directed by Morton Tilden who went on to give us the imitation game of Passengers starring Axel Henney and uh, Nikolai Costa-Waldau. It is in fact that one. I am so happy that Disney Plus are showing it. I love yeah. this movie. It's an odd one for, for Disney Plus but, but great to hear. I think it's because I think they've inherited it through the Fox Searchlight label or one of the Fox banners. But it's it's the story of Axel Henney, who's the the corporate headhunter who also moonlights in stealing priceless works of art from his prospective mm. clients and replacing them with forgeries, only for this all to go spectacularly pear-shaped when it turns out one of his clients is also a trained mercenary and is more than capable of destroying him without a second's thought. Three guesses uh, which role Nikolai Costa-Waldau is playing in that one. <laughs> this movie is badass. I love this movie so much. I can't wait to watch this again. It's so, so good. I, I, I can't good. believe it's been 11 years as well. Um, on yeah, then to crazy. another one that I, I hadn't seen in a long time. You, you may have revisited this more recently than me. Um, it's coming to Disney Plus the same day. iRobots. It's going, we've got a clip for this one. Yeah, I mean, this is the, well, you might as well enjoy all the Will Smith films that you can for now. It's um, oh. <laughs> just, uh, I know, I He'll know, that's back. mean. But He'll bounce back. It's a storm in a teacup. But yeah, the uh, potentially, I suppose, mi- cancelled Will Smith. Uh, back in his heyday, iRobot. I, I actually haven't seen this since it came out. It is a long, two, 2004, I think this came out. 2004. Uh, it is. Yeah. It, 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 it's one of those films that, if you're a science fiction fan, this is like being a religious person going along to watch just an adaptation of the Bible. You know, nothing particular. Like we've adapted a section of the Bible for a movie. You're a religious person, come along. If you're a sci-fi fan, that's what it's like to see iRobot for the first time in 2004. That's genuinely what it was. But it was. But it was. It was quite interesting to see actual star power put to a baseline science fiction concept again. And coming on the heels of something like Minority Report, which I think had only been two years previous as well, really something. Uh, Will Smith 
just at his top of his game in this one. Uh, peak Will Smith with the, the leather course, uh, uh, mm. Converse All-Star patent leather circa 2004 that he buys in because it's retro and set in the future. Alan Tudyk as the motion-captured Sonny, the robot. James Cromwell's in there as the inventor. And it is a murder mystery thriller built around Isaac Asimov's Three Laws of Robotic, which are just, they are like the Ten Commandments to diehard sci-fi purists. Uh, have a listen. This is, I, I love this movie i really want to revisit this again because it's, it's coming up to 20 years since i've seen it want to explain why you were hiding at the crime scene i was frightened robots don't feel fear they don't feel anything they don't get hungry they don't sleep i do i have even had dreams human beings have dreams even dogs have dreams but not you you are just a machine an imitation of life. Can a robot write a symphony? Can a robot turn a canvas into a beautiful masterpiece? Can you? Yeah, there we go. Will Smith uh, in that classic. I think, yeah, I love revisiting kind of earlier Will Smith movies. You can see the trajectory that he was really on in order to get to where he was in the last, you know, Best Actor Award uh, recently. So it's um, it's really, really good to see that. Um, moving on to Monday, uh, the 11th, uh, available on DVD and Blu-ray. Another classic here. Um, the best 10 minutes of Drew Barrymore you will ever see. Um, oh no, 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 this, you should explain, it's, this is on DVD and Blu-ray, this is the reboot call, this is the recent oh. recall. Thank you for so aptly demonstrating why this trend of simply naming sequels like the original is so idiotic. Be yes! I, I mean, come on, just call it Five Cream and have done with it. I thought you were going to say to me that this is a remastered version of the original <laughs> classic or something like that. That's where I was no. going with this. Well, I mean, okay. I can't, I can't wait for the for the 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 threequel, the threequel reboot called the Pacific Rim Saga that's then just called Pacific Rim because this trend isn't confusing at all. So, Scream no. 2022 is on DVD Ugh. and Blu-ray from Monday. Uh, see that requel, as they call it, for yourself, uh, which also takes some interesting stabs at ele so-called elevated horror, as I was doing earlier. Um, on Monday on streaming, this is one I know we covered on Oscar night. Oh yes, because this one best actor didn't it and we all saw this one coming um joaquin phoenix stars in todd phillips's joker coming to streaming on netflix from monday i've got a clip for you and let's be honest this is this is one of the three this is one of the three clips in heavy rotation when this was on release no cursing no off color material we do a clean show okay mm -hmm. you go on right after dr sally i love dr sally good 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 well someone will come and get you okay Good luck. Thanks, Murray. Good. Uh, Murray, one small thing. Yeah. When you bring me out, can you introduce me as Joker? What's wrong with your real name? That's what you called me on the show, a Joker. Do you remember? Did I? I don't know. Well, if you say so, kid, you know, Joker it is. It's good. Thanks, Murray. Oh, I love this film. I love this film. Who would have thought the guy that made the Hangover trilogy would have brought you something so brilliant um, in this? I mean, obviously, um, Hangover trilogy is brilliant in its own way. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to answer that question with anyone who saw War Dogs. 
but Fair. You know, yeah, I, I, I'm Fair. gonna get that one because everyone thinks that like you know he, he, that was his first stab at anything vaguely tonally serious. Like no, War Dogs is pretty brutal at times, uh, but one that's one that I don't think we can describe as, as as particularly brutal at times though. And this is mostly just us filling for time, and and it's it's out on DVD and Blu-ray same day. It, it's on, it's on streaming on Disney Plus already. It was in cinemas about 20 minutes ago. Ken Branagh's Death on the Nile. It's coming to disc uh, this week. Um, I don't know why they didn't pop this one out a few weeks ago and just get it on disc in time for Mother's Day. Would that not have made the world of sense? Yeah, it would have done. And you know what? I love a Poirot, you know, movie or TV series. I just didn't care in this one. And when the whodunit kind of comes about, I'm a bit like, yeah, I'm a bit over it. A lot of flashy sets, uh, very CGI'd. Um, a cast that is, you know, adequate within this ensemble cast. I preferred the Murder on the Orient Express, although I didn't love that one either. But that one certainly, I think, is stronger than Death on the Nile. But yeah, it's an it's an interesting one. It was perfect for the grey pound, should we say? If you are um, of the older disposition, this might be one that you will tolerate. But for the rest of us, it's a little bit dull. So, I mean, one one that I know is going to go down incredibly well uh, next week meanwhile is uh, next week we finally get to talk about this is just the one of the easiest slam dunks of any movie ever uh, Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum Daniel Radcliffe Brad Pitt. It's an old-fashioned romancing the stone type uh, adventure rom-com. The Lost City is out next week, Bex. You looking forward to this one? Mm, I am so looking forward to it, mainly because you are hyping it up big time for me and I, making me really, really want to watch it. I, I, I can tell you, like, I mean, I'm not embargoing anything on it. I think you can tell from the, because it's out in the US already, the general vibe around the movie is very positive and it mm. has it's made good money in the States. Uh, we've also got the unfortunately titled Operation Mincemeat uh, next week, which I had the pleasure of watching last night, which is a World War II uh, sort of espionage, propaganda, false information, counter-strike thriller with Colin Firth and Matthew McFadden. Um, the Viking adventure, the Viking revenge thriller, sorry, The Northman is next week with Alexander Skarsgård and a movie I've been dying to see finally comes out next week. Paul Verhoeven, the legendary director of Total Recall, uh, uh, Robocop, uh, 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 Showgirls, Starship Troopers, he's back, and this time he's bringing us supernatural lesbian nuns. Benedetta <laughs> is out next week. I, I mean, come on. If, if you're going to give Paul Verhoeven a concert, supernatural lesbian nuns in a convent, and, and the title I'm excited I, just on that concept alone sign me up I don't I've not watched a trailer I've deliberately avoided just Paul Verhoeven's doing that movie I can't wait it's out next week Bex we've got that to look forward to well there we go all the reason for you guys to join us each and every Friday to hear what we think of those movies next week and also you can obviously listen back to all of our other recordings if you've missed any movies that we have covered over the last few weeks as well but until next time I've been Bex Perfect I've been Van Connor and we shall return. <laughs>